Sarah and I had just bought a tan Toyota Highlander. Enjoying our new car feel, we pulled off the lot and onto the highway. On our 45-minute ride home, we noticed something. Toyota Highlanders, especially tan ones, they seemed to be everywhere. What caused this phenomena? Why was it that highways were suddenly flooded with cars just like ours? Could it be that hundreds of other people bought Toyota Highlanders and then decided to drive them on the same highway as us? This is rich, and it's time to revive your work. I tell people this story, they nod knowingly. Most have had a similar experience. The minute you buy a car, you notice that very same make and model everywhere. You can't help it. What's the discovery or learning behind this shared experience? Those cars were there all along. The difference is you're subconsciously on the lookout for them, and you see them, all of them. And that's the way it is with humans. We see what we're looking for. Now, in the bigger picture, this demonstrates an incredible power at our disposal. If you're looking for kindness, generosity, or opportunity, that's exactly what you'll encounter. Or if you're looking for disrespect, limitations, or barriers, you'll find them, all of them. Pima Chodron, an American Tibetan Buddhist, said it like this. If your view is basic badness, you see it wherever you go. If your view is basic goodness, you see it wherever you go. So beware, or better yet, be aware of what you're looking for. That's exactly what you'll see. Armed with this ancient truth, let's talk about how we see the world. And when Pima Children uses the word view, she's not talking about visually, rather the view from our mind's eye. Now, your mind's eye, just like your physical eye, has a lens. It's called perception. You've heard it said, perception is reality. And that's right. It's through your perception that you determine your reality. In his TED Talk, The Happy Secret to Better Work, research psychologist Sean Accor says it like this. We're finding it's not necessarily the reality that shapes us, but the lens through which your brain views the world that shapes your reality. Here's an example. I'm driving on the highway and someone cuts in front of me. In the time it takes to put on the brakes, I determine through my mind's eye what just happened. Now, this, this is important. I'm making up a story, not 
that I got cut off. That's real. But why I got cut off. In other words, I make my own reality. And if my lens is bent towards negativity, I feel personally attacked and disrespected. Based on this perceived reality, I react accordingly. Cortisol floods my bloodstream. My blood pressure elevates. My heart races. I get angry. I yell at all sorts of hand gestures start. Now imagine that same experience through a lens bent towards positivity. This time, I consider the person must be rushing to the hospital to see a relative, or they have a child that's in urgent need of their care. I then respond accordingly. I say a silent prayer. I wish them well and count my blessings for being safe. The lens through which you perceive the world has a bend. It's either towards positive or negative, which determines how you interpret and respond to situations. In our previous examples, the question is, what reaction is better for you? Which reality that you're creating is the life you want to experience? It's up to you. Don't give your power of perception away to someone who cut you off on the highway. What we're talking about is a choice. Do you want to experience a life that is positive, optimistic, and we'll use those words interchangeably today, or negative? We often ask clients, is negativity contagious? Yes, is their answer. Is optimism contagious? Yes, they say. Which spreads faster? Negativity is their response. Now that's fascinating. The question is why? Why do we all agree when asked which spreads faster, positivity or negativity? Are we so sure, so certain that it is negativity? perhaps because it's easy. It takes no skill to be negative. So positivity or optimism is hard work. What's the benefit of all this hard work? Again, let's refer to the TED Talk by Sean Accor. Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Accor, A-C-H-O-R, The Happy Secret to Better Work. Google it. Watch it over and over. Here's several key points. Your brain at positive performs significantly better than negative, neutral, or stressed. Your intelligence rises. Your creativity rises. Your energy rises. Every single business outcome improves. Your brain at positive is 31% more productive than at negative, neutral, or stressed. When you find ways to be more positive in the present, you work harder, faster, and more intelligently. Wow. So, how do you master it? How do you harness the power of optimism? Transforming the lens through which you view the world is a lot like exercise. 
If you want stronger muscles, you strength train on a regular basis. If you want improved cardiovascular conditioning, you walk or run on a regular basis. If you want to lower your stress, you meditate on a regular basis. You see, there's a theme here. It's the same with optimism. You practice it on a regular basis. It's important to remember that you're practicing something already. So if this idea of practicing optimism um, feels uncomfortable or hokey, let's remember that you're probably in a practice of negativity. So how do you switch that practice? Here are five principles to train and rewire your brain. They take between five and 30 minutes per day and yield a more optimistic and successful you. One, gratitude. Each day, spend a few moments and write down three things from your day, three experiences that you are grateful for. What this does is help your brain begin a pattern of scanning the world for what's positive because your brain recognizes that later on today, you're going to call upon it to remember something that you're grateful for. So you begin to look for what's good as opposed to seeking what's bad. Second, journal about a positive experience. Again, at the end of the day, create some space where you'll literally write and recall a positive experience. Now, most people at the end of the day are recalling a negative experience, a person that got on their nerves, a situation that went awry. In this case, you're allowing your brain to relive a positive experience. Third, exercise. There is no better way to relieve stress than some type of physical movement. And it also teaches your brain that behavior matters. Fourth, meditation. And this doesn't mean you're sitting with your legs crossed and you have to light candles and, and have a, a perfectly clear, thoughtless mind. It means you're simply taking some time to intentionally be aware, be in the moment. Perhaps think about your breath. You're not distracted with the past or the future. You are aware that you are aware. This is one way to help deprogram our cultural fatuation with multitasking. Meditation, do one thing. Fifth, random acts of kindness, praise, or appreciation. That is intentionally emailing, texting, or telling someone face-to-face -face what you appreciate about them, what you've seen them done that is positive has made an impact on you. Don't do all of these things. That's not, the goal is not to do all five of these every day. Your goal is to pick one, gratitude, journaling, exercise, meditation, or random acts of kindness, and begin to practice that one on a regular basis. When my youngest daughter, Carly, was 10, I dropped her off at school. I hadn't been home for more than an hour when I received a call from her school. 
It was Carly. And her voice tone immediately told me what was wrong. Dad, I don't feel good. So I headed back to school to pick her up. In an attempt to multitask, I decided to run a few errands on our way home. After purchasing some items from a local office supply store, we returned to the car. That's when I heard the hissing sound. Getting closer, I noticed our right rear tire beginning to sag. My mind immediately started down a path of negativity. Within a microsecond, I was experiencing thoughts of, I can't believe this is happening. And crap, this is not the time to have a flat. Within seconds, my thoughts were overpowered when I heard Carly proclaim, Dad, what a great place to have a flat. My victimization thinking came to a screeching halt. I was forced to admit, she's right. It was a great place to have a flat. We weren't on a busy highway with 18-wheelers whizzing by. We weren't on some gravel road miles from civilization. Instead, we were in the middle of a calm and spacious parking lot on a cool spring morning. Carly got her books. She sat down in the parking lot and began to do her homework as I changed the tire. Initially, it does take more energy to choose optimism over negativity. If you decide to make a practice of optimism, it will become more natural over time and you'll reap the emotional, physical, intellectual, and spiritual rewards. And someday, you'll even be able to proclaim, what a great place to have a flat. If you'd find value in an additional weekly dose of encouragement, visit reviveyourwork.com backslash blog. That's reviveyourwork.com backslash blog. We'll see you next week as we continue our conversation that transcends the blurred lines between our personal and professional lives. Mm -hmm.